Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by fellow Dadly Boy Michael Hamflet to discuss everything that's going down on tonight's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. But daily wrestling podcasts where we preview and review Dynamite, Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, pay-per-views, premium live events, roundtable discussions, wrestler interviews on occasion and a roundup of the week not this week but you know maybe in a couple of weeks on wrestle culture complete of course with a bloody good quiz um the vibers back is the power i um am probably too guilty right of saying big one tonight impress me big one tonight impress me that can't possibly happen over 52 years. And Tony Khan, in the post-all-out press scrum, used the word maintenance show. And I get it. You cannot cut the most intense, full-blooded promo about your rival at the time six weeks before the next pay-per-view, because where do you go from there? Mm. I do understand the maintenance show. And to Tony Khan's credit, right, I'll use this example. Um, He often does a very good job of balancing things. When... Blood and Guts was happening. It was really at the start of the MGF call, having loads of fun. Yeah. And he realized, right, the title picture, we can't do anything significant with that yet because, as I said, you'll blow your load. <laughs> so let's do intensify a grudge angle and put it on a big TV special. So I do think you can balance it. So I do... Uh, have I had an epiphany? My, my thoughts are scattered here, bear with me, because something that really... Like struck me watching All Out was when Samoa Joe versus Shane Taylor got announced. I thought, what the hell is this? The show badly needs some juice, and the last thing I need to see is an ROH match on an AEW pay per view. Unbeknownst to me, they had plans to do Danielson versus Starks, and look how good that was. Mm. And the reason Joe Taylor existed, which was so weird, it was like, oh, of course. This great angle, which we'll probably um, talk about in depth when we discuss MGF's live promo. That struck me as, am I being too harsh a critic this year? I've noticed, you know, I don't want to mention him um, out loud on this podcast. One of my favorite Twitter community people doesn't follow me anymore. Ah. I'll tell you who it is later. Okay. And I was a bit, ah, that's a real goddamn shame that is. Maybe I'm just... Ruining people's fun. I'll follow you back. It's all right. It's okay. Maybe I'm being too exacting in my criticisms. Okay. But then I didn't feel much for either Bill for All In and All Out. I guess what I'm trying to say is tonight, if something happens and I'm like, eh, that's a bit boring or a bit bland, especially when you've got all the momentum, not all the momentum in the world, that's a total lie. You've got a renewed... I don't know, pang of relief, closure, stemming from the fact that CM Punk's gone... It can't really loom over the fiction. All Out was great. It's too hysterical to say I'm giving them another shot. But you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. all my excuses and inbuilt frustrations with the product. I don't want to say clean slate, but I'll definitely look at this AEW Dynamite with new eyes. Now that the punk is gone, there's a certain excuse, a certain shadow looming that's just gone. Um... Basically, how important is it that AEW nails this? 
really important, but my gut is telling me that they will be told they've nailed it regardless. CM Punk is where this starts and ends for me. Genuinely, I, like, I sensed it in the crowd reactions to things on, I think a lot of people did, to more the undercard because loads of the upper card stuff on All Out delivered on its own terms anyway. Yeah. But as a vibe, we both talked about it. One of the first things we said coming out of that show was the vibe felt different to a positive like end for AW for that the, the yeah. state of that card going in. Like know. consider Grand Slam. 2022 versus All Out 2023. Grand Slam yeah. was like, it was good, it was really good, but still just didn't feel right at all. No. This uh, was, and that was after a few weeks of this really cursed, bittersweet TV. Yeah. That feeling just did not exist in my heart or my head after All Out 2023. There was just something different, something different about this place. I'm going to fail to obscure my obvious bitterness here when I say this. The appearances of the character CM Punk are more important to me as a fan than the brand of AEW, the organisation. I know I am in the vast minority when I speak about that. Like, I don't mind admitting that. Not that I want AEW to fail. Of course I don't. But I know I prefer CM Punk, the brand, than AEW, the brand. Nobody else does. Like, I am, I remain impressed, staggered, that there is a certain loyalty towards this brand and a belief in this brand. It always came up before the Elite re-signed the contracts. It came up and it was noticeable to a tangible extent with All Out for me. It hit me in a brand new way where Tony Khan, who I think made, like, look, I'm a huge CM Punk fan. I think he made the right decision. But the biggest That's thing key. About- I think a lot of CM Punk fans, the ones I follow on Twitter certainly, are very much of the mind I love them, but Jesus Christ, it's the right thing to do or the best thing to do. That's uh, yeah, not the right thing. I can't speak on the mor- the morality no. of this complex situation, but certainly the correct thing to do. It was the correct thing to do, and more importantly, it was our decision. And I think he's Tony Khan for the first time, in my opinion, since brawl out last year. But mainly as a leader, has made a call that he knew he was going to eat quite a lot over, and I think that was that was a really dumb motivator for a lot of years for Tony Khan. He's finally broken free of that. Like, I believe you're going to see a weight lifted off Tony Khan that is not necessarily to do with CM Punk, but is an indirect result of working with CM Punk. He knew that there was, and he, the weekend he had to do it, look, he had no choice with it being in Chicago, and there was at least two shows that he was going to have to run without Punk, including a pay-per-view that people had paid to watch, presuming that Punk was going to be in the main event. And he put his feet to the fire on it twice, the live crowd and the video message opening collision. Like, I think not only did he make the correct call, but I think he owned it too. And that's like two huge wins for Tony Khan that might have a knock-on effect to how he books and how he feels creatively freer because they have to have been weighing on him. They have to, like, as much as all of his other roles probably get in the way and all the extra television that AEW doesn't need or the extra ring of honour that AEW doesn't need compared to when it was 2019 and he had two hours of focused creative a week to concentrate on. All of that, the fact that his leadership was being openly questioned, really, openly derided based on the, the perceived state of the locker I room. I think a lot of people really lost patience with Tony Khan, like even his biggest supporters. Yeah. Like myself, for example, like I noticed that people were taking the piss out of the bloke. Yeah. Like That's been lifted because he's had no choice but to make a call, has finally made one, and then has owned it too. You don't make these decisions like... Collision, you've talked about, you always called it a compromise, an uneasy compromise. Like, you're talking about a billion-dollar television deal that was ultimately a people-pleasing exercise. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's got doom, like, lingering in the background the whole time. That doom is gone. There might be a different kind of doom because Collision might now fail as an entity, and that's a different conversation for a different day. But the reason I mention all of this stuff is because to go back to that kind of really feverish, impressively so, like, pack mentality that was built around the branding of AEW, partly because of how it launched, partly because it was seen as, like, wrestler forward in, yeah. how, it, in how it formed. That is back, and you have the elite on new... Like, six months ago, if you tell some died in the wall AEW fans who are really starting to question if this show can ever be for them again, and you tell them, right, for better and worse, CM Punk is going to be gone, and all the elite have signed lucrative new deals... I think they would 
think, right, well, that's amazing. I'm just going to go to sleep until that happens. Yeah. And then I think I'll get my, in inverted commas, AEW back. And I think we're going to see now, like, I think that will carry them through the next few months. I think Grand Slam's going to be hotter than it was last year. I think this Dynamite will be hotter. All Out was. I don't think, I think you're naive if you think that you take CM Punk away and the problems with AEW is creative are solved. And I think it is, like, I think caution is to be advised here because it's not just been CM Punk as to why this show has fallen off, Mm. to use younger people's vernacular. It's not CM Punk as to why MJF and Cole has felt far and away the best thing in this company all year. The, The elite stuff didn't work. The four pillars story that should have been a four year in the making, basically like a bit of self fellatio, failed. You know, as a noble pay- failure, right? Noble I would failure, say. I agree. But it failed nonetheless to capture people's imagination. There were plenty of people criticizing, unfairly in my opinion, but criticizing MJF's credibility as a champion after the fact. Too many things this year have failed in AEW that can all that can just be fall at the feet of CM Punk. So now he's gone. You take that big burden emotional burden away from Tony Khan, but you also take a pretty big excuse too. Yes. So I think like the next few months of AEW are going to be really interesting, but I do believe, and it's really hard to measure this objectively, I do believe that like the core base is going to be rooting for it, and I'm not sure that's been there this year. Yeah. Like you get them back rooting for every move you make and allowing for mistakes and allowing for setbacks and drawbacks. Like... Murray made a point, and I'm not sure I agree with it, but he's made it before on the news about, like, there's always, and we like, can politely disagree here at Walk Culture. We r- often do. Right. He's felt that, because he tweeted about this as well, he believes that, like, there has always been something out of AEW's hands that they've had to deal with, like, an unexpected set of circumstances. I think, like, Pack and Hangman being off the first show. Yeah. Kenny and Mox being off the second one. There's like, there's never not been a thing that has come up. In this case, it was Punk and Starks in the main event that is almost feels like out of the company's hands. Like, I'm not sure I believe in that, like, divine force working against the company. But I do believe that there is often, it feels like there is a fan base that wants to create this divine force for it. And I think you're going to see that over the yeah. next few months. I think, like, Let's say, for example, I'm pulling this match out of my ass, but like the follow-up on Ricky Starks is to keep him as a hot heel and you do the Winter is Coming rematch with MJF. Just off the top of my head. I think a load of people will root so hard for that match because it'll feel like two originals coming coming to blows. Like, here they go again. Yeah. Like, two, what are, like two home-based projects that have come good. That wasn't there for the Four Pillars match. That vibe, that emotion, yeah. that wasn't there for it. If it was, it would have been seen as more of a critical success story. I do think the power might be back because the fans want to support it. Like, gates might go up. I'm going to go along tonight. I'm going to cheer the home team. Like, AW had that to its advantage. It's, uh, it's not happening tonight. Not Put tonight. That way. I think it's a sub-3,000 crowd not tonight. tonight. <laughs> not tonight. But for the longest time, AW, CM Punk... Or even the, the fewer people who are there might make more noise and be happier. CM Punk misread that room at Brawl Out because he imagined, I'm just doing what I did. I'm being a firebrand like I was in WWE. People are going to back me. And how many didn't? I uh, know. Like he, We've been in arenas, well, stadiums. Yeah. Like, he misread the tone of, like, the warmth that people have for this brand versus what they didn't for WWE yeah. it is different. And I honestly think that, like, that home team feeling is going to permeate through the product itself. And it, and it like, it's already happened. I think it started it all out. That show didn't have a main event, and you wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. Coming away from it. I've got two more things to say about CM Punk, because I think people are maybe interested in, like, the last ember of the culture war, I guess. Um, I think it was Mark Henry on Busted Open. Did he hear his uh, promo? No. It's weird, like, I don't know what he does there. <laughs> but he was like, um, I inferred that he's very much on Team Punk, or at least very sympathetic to Team Punk. I don't think he necessarily hates the elite or whatever, but mm. he's a punk guy. Um, because he was saying, all right, the problem's gone now. It's all going to be unicorn, rainbow, rainbows, and all the rest of it. Can't wait. Being very facetious. Indicating that he didn't necessarily view CM Punk as the problem. <laughs> That's very Mark Henry in the... Um the parade of champions, where yeah. people going, Daniel Bryan. So Mark Henry Stafford raised his arm yeah. and then just did the throat slash and say, right, you've had your thing now. Yeah. It's like you're missing the point, Mark. Yeah. Right? Like, this is not like, people don't want to see his arm raised in this one segment. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird um, because 
like, lest we forget, because I think a few people said, oh, the drama's not going to end. It, it might, you know. <laughs> it might. A lot of people didn't like him. There will be people who continue to not like one another in the existing locker room. But my God, it's the ultimate irony that CM Punk was drawn to that locker room because he thought, looking at it from the outside, watching the TV, oh, Christ, a really drama-free locker room with no politicking and mm. the boys looking after each other, which is the most ironic yeah. thing that CM Punk loves. And then... He arrives and it just goes completely. <laughs> like if you apply Occam's razor to the situation, maybe he was integral to like the the culture rot. And one more thing about Punk, I will miss his work. I really wish he was just back as a heel on Collision, because those twenty five minute CM FTR eight mans and trios matches were nice, but it just wasn't the same as that Kojima match mm. or his performance in the Joe match, which was just electrifying, so cathartic. So just ah, uh, I wish really good three and a half star stuff, wasn't it against you? Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, <laughs> and like I said it at the time, with the intention of cool tweeting later on. Let's be honest, like it was perfect. Mm. The collision thing. It was like a psychological experiment designed meticulously with no detail missing. How to prevent a self destruction? They had the. Opposite of the self-destruct button, and they called a collision. Right, you've got your own show. Okay, mm. we will. In the meantime, if our if our world champion, whoever it is, doesn't want to work with you, because there's a lot of people who were probably not doing cartwheels at the prospect. In preparation for collision, if it all goes well, we'll pretty much build and Trojan horse this international title, so you can have it as your world title. You've got it on a good drawn night, and you know you like to be known as a draw. One bill, Phil come to see you on Saturdays, right? Mm. You're the star. Not only do you have your own creative, which you had all along. Look at the look at the MGF feud, which wasn't just a love letter to ROH, but that was a big part of it. Yeah. Not only do you continue to have complete, almost complete autonomy over your programs, we'll let you book it pretty much. We will let you pace it to your disposition. We'll format it to your liking. You can ban real glass if you want. That's Well, this is what I'm getting to. You can do your Saturday night's main event slash WCW Saturday night mm-hmm. impulses on it. Pace it completely different to Dynamite. In fact, CM Punk, because it's your thing, we will kind of, this is maybe a hyperbolic way of putting it, betray certain company principles about, you know, impromptu matches. Which, if never, if Tony Khan never said that out loud, like he did with the invisible camera, mm. how few impromptu matches happened on Dynamite indicate that he doesn't like them. But our Punk will bend over backwards mm-hmm. for CM Punk. And it was basically, he is your thing. Under the, it's, un, we can't have you work with the elite because they don't want to. Virtually everything else. You want to work with Starks? You like Ricky Starks? Have him as your program. You want to work with Joe? Have at it. You want to just do have some fun with FTR because they're your mates with not, with not much of narrative substance because you want to do mm. it, have at it. Ride your Schwinn bikes with FTR in 25-minute <laughs> trios matches. It's yours. Here's the plate. Eat off the plate. The only thing that we're asking you not to do is ruin it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get the food and scrape it into the bin eat what is probably your third favorite meal. You can't have your onion bargy, that's mine, <laughs> with the elite, but you can have salt and pepper, king prawns and dumplings, right? It's your second favorite thing because you can't have your first. And then, oh, you can't come. You can't come to Collision. You're not allowed to come. You want to do that in Collision? I'm probably right to say yes, but I'm not going to articulate it in a nice way. Mm. Uh, you're also not allowed to come here. Oh, guess what? I'm just going to bury Hangman Page after the show. It's like, yeah, you cannot do these things. They made it impossible for him to screw this up, and he screwed it up. And it devastates me because I love the punker. Like, being in that atmosphere in Wembley, there's no other wrestler who can orchestrate it. And that's not even what I wanted from Punk. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted him to be a full heel the whole time. I didn't want him to be Cena. But him being seen was amazing because he's good at everything. 
except getting in his own goddamn way. Right, let's talk about Dynamite because this is the clean slate from now on. Right, okay. There are two live promos, the first of which will be MJF speaking live. Now, he AEW has had a problem historically with featuring a talent heavily ahead of a tournament, and then you go, oh, thanks, Tony, they're winning the tournament. Mm. To his credit, there are two now, and there's a really good subplot coming in the tournament, which we'll talk about. Um, it's either Roddy or MGF, and I expect we'll probably get both, uh, Roddy or Roddy Joe, or and I expect we'll get both matches with MGF at some point. Um, so at least there's two on either side of the bracket or whatever, and we haven't seen the full bracket yet, which I think people are right to be annoyed by, but at the same time, I don't mind because... Because it's one of those two, obviously. Mm-hmm. You look at everybody else in the brackets and he can work out every single match. We might get the bracket tonight, who knows. But I expect MJF to cut a great promo at the expense of Samoa Joe. He'll put him over. Like MJF in canon is a big ROH mark. Um, pretty much after Joe's time there because he was drawn to Adam Cole mm. um, on HD net. But, you know, he's gone back and studied. He's a student of the game. Yeah, he made the punk stuff work. Yeah, he? exactly. So. He's a student of the game, so he's gone back and all the rest of it. So I expect him to put him over. And I was going to sell fear of Joe. I want I want to know what a potential babyface MGF on pr- Joe promo looks like. What does that look like to you? And will we get the gift that is Roderick Strong as well? I don't think we get Strong here obviously because of where he'll feature elsewhere on this Dynamite. Um, I like the idea of MJF going full. You know, you nailed it. And I think it's going to be the lens with which to watch MJF now. Doing what he thinks is the over-enthusiastic house show baby face all the time. Like, I, I love that about MJF. So in this case, but it's all, like you're always kind of encouraged, even when he sort of say in the Adam Cole entrance where he's going down slapping fives, you're kind of looking at the face and you're trying to see where's that... I was going to say devilish, like whatever the opposite of a glint is. Where's the like, where's the dull pain in his eyes that he's slapping fives? This is not who I am. I'm slapping fives. Where's the inner Ole Anderson? Yeah, like looking for that. And I wonder if what he does here is goes full fired up baby face in his delivery and his message about Joe. Um, I was a kid. You took advantage of me and you pushed me when I was a kid you knew I was trying to, like, just get a break. And at the first opportunity, you tried to take that break away from me by making a fool of me. You tried to, like, pick your spot on me. You know, they don't need to say take over Brooklyn, but we all know what they're talking about. Um, why would you do that? Take over Brooklyn too? Yeah, yeah. He basically positions Joe as the latest in a long line of bullies and oppressors that he's had to overcome yeah. in his journey to the top. And, and know, then people are probably going to complain that he's delving into his past again, as if it doesn't really illustrate this character with an interior life. They're dumb. Yes. Um, so he does that as a baby face, and Adam Cole's stood right there. And, you know, he's got, like, his arm... There's no reason for you to illustrate the divide. You know, like, MJF's a baby face, and he wants to fight Joe, and Adam Cole's giving him the attaboy and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, and MJF says something along the lines of, and, like, when you slap that guillotine choke on me, Joe knowing full well that my neck is in the worst shape it's ever been in. Little glare to Adam Cole. Like, you try the worst to, neck anyone's got, really. Yeah, the worst neck health in all of wrestling. Yeah. You, uh, you try to do it all over again. Like, what is, what's your problem with me, Joe? But at that same time, he's basically just zeroed in on Adam Cole. You, you cause this, yeah. dickhead. But, like, you, it, they, they can be as subtle as I like with it, but that... Like this idea that he presents Joe as this oppressor and outright says, you know what, I hope you win the tournament because at Grand Slam, I want to do what you've tried to do to me, which is pull the ladder up, which is slam the door in your face because I'm the champion now. We've switched roles. You can't scare me and intimidate me anymore. Like, as babyface as you like. Yeah. It's, it's a, the freedom that MJF currently has. While love, leaning. I love the idea of the subtext where he's talking to Joe. Yeah. But it's really about Cole. You put me in this position. Keeps that mystery, yeah. like, taking over. No, that's great. Um, it's one of those where I don't like previewing MJF stuff. Well, it's going to be better than... It's going to be ten times better than what I just said. Because he's better right? than us. Yeah. And uh, we also know that. This one's interesting. And clean slate, yeah? <laughs> um... <laughs> Oh, God, I'm, I can't help be cynical here. I can't help it, man. 
Hangman Page is speaking live. Now, this, again, monkey's paw situation feels like it's curling in which Hangman Page is speaking live. Um, He got roped in, I guess, with the Golden Elite because he's in the Elite, Mm -hmm. and they were attacked by Bullet Club Gold. So that was his August, essentially. Um, And what he did prior to that was work the BCC to culminate his program with John Moxley and then the rest of them. And then in and around that, in between or whatever, the Dark Order. And we're back in his life. And they have now rejected Page, where he once rejected them every three months <laughs> out of Double or Nothing 2022. Um, so got pinned by Evil Uno. Got, uh, got pinned <laughs> by Evil Uno. His stock's never been lower. So when you see the graphic of, right, Page has been back on Rampage, remind you who he is. Right, he's back at the forefront of the narrative. This is one of those things where because I'm personally not interested in a continuation of Hangman Page in the Dark Order, like at all. Um, a lot of in now the be weeds careful there because you might get told off on Twitter for not being a big enough fan. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a lot of in the weeds fans who love it, and they'll probably make a lot of noise in the building, and they'll probably talk about how excited they are to see the story continue on social media, and you know, because it does not do anything for Michael Sidgwick anymore, despite the fact that I really did enjoy the Page Dark Order stuff, like the He Said Yes and all the rest Mm. of it. It was tremendous. There are potentially a lot of people who really enjoy it, but at the same time, you look at those gates, you look at those ratings, you look at where Hangman Page really is in his career. Do you satisfy those fans, or do you tell the ceiling of fans that you haven't quite captured that, no, 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 like, He's on a serious, bigger singles match business. Like, what do you do here? I'm giving AEW too much credit with this. I know I am. I'm being too generous. Because it was all... Sorry, one more thing. It has sort of fallen by the wayside. There was nothing Hangman Page, books, Dark Order related um, on All In, All Out week when they'd kind of teased that as the thing that's going to really spark into life after Blood and Guts. Yeah. But the Dark Order members are still talking about him on Twitter. Something's probably happened on being the elite. I do not watch it. I so again, this is probably me being too generous. The battle royal win on the all out pre show is so pronounced a burial that I think it's going to be folded at the start. It's one of those where would it have been better not to have him on the show? Well, right, none of us. At least then you can have plausible deniability for. I know we didn't want to waste a hangman page appearance. Yeah, or. Oh, he's carrying a knock or something. That's absolute relegation optics. It's so insulting. I believe we were instructed to look at it as an insult. Again, I could be proven completely wrong. And sympathize with him. That's why he's giving the money to charity. Yeah. It's, you could not take anybody. I don't think Hangman Page is in that top tier of AEW anymore, but you could not take a single wrestler from the AEW top tier and justifiably put them in a pre-show battle royal without... Like screaming bloody murder at the fate of a John Moxley, a Kenny Omega, an MJF, previously a CM Punk, right now even an Adam Cole or an Orange Cassidy. That would be inexcusable. Orange Cassidy was in a battle royal that me and you were at, and it was one of the best matches of the night. But it was the opener, and it was for a bailed. It what like do you know what I mean? It wasn't mm. sort of this throwaway thing that you were encouraged to not even be in the building for. It. It's such a pronounced relegation on a show that we know has quite a bit of hangman law anyway. We talked about this bit in the desk this morning. I wonder if this is a far less elegant, I'm not remotely comparing it to the round one, but if you consider that hangman had the beer in his hand when he cut that admittedly dreadful promo by the inverted commas hospital, um, if you consider the fact that Kenny was in his gear at least, and certainly the Golden Lovers are the Golden Lovers, far more excited to be back alongside Ibushi than Hangman at Wembley. And all the elite are in their high-profile, very important big matches at All Out and Hangers back in the Battle Royal as if the last four years meant nothing. Are they trying to do a slightly less elegant version of, hang on a second, the elite wanted me back, I came back, 
and my career's completely hit skids ever since. Have they used me up, chewed me out and spat me out all over again, and now I'm back on the bottle? What annoys me about this is that, about this thing that we've all invented on our heads. I know, I know, yeah, I know it's is, generous. I know. Is that there's no... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Character. There's nothing within the character dynamic or the group dynamic that justifies Paige being at this low point that would get the fans behind him in a way that's good and not, like, protesting against the company. Telling not showing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's one of those as well. Like, again, this could be... He could start a program with, like, a heel, and it'd be great, mm-hmm. and this is all unfounded. So just take this cynicism. It's not as if, like, the company's in 2021 again. I'm saying that there's a potential for that vibe to come back, and it's not quite there yet. Like, at least when... Well, when it was all out 2019... A perfect bit of book, and everyone missed the point. Oh, there's going to be more heat for Escalera de la Muerte than the main event. And there was that discourse about should the world title always be last? Remember this? Mm-hmm. I think Dave Meltzer was a big proponent of, you know, it doesn't have to be. There was, and you know, he knows more than anyone, and everyone else is like, well, it's tradition. He's like, no, it isn't. Yeah. I watched this territory for this many years, that territory for this many years. I watched that company in Japan and that one in Mexico. It's not necessarily tradition and doesn't necessarily bury the title. And he was adamant, adamant, loudest, should go last. And he thought Escalera de la Muerte should go last because it was going to be the hottest, most exciting, loudest match. And he was kind of right to a point where Paige and Jericho at All Out 2019 um, did suffer from that adrenaline dump reaction and he watched a three and three match that could have been a four and a half or whatever yeah but the idea was they had to do escalera before the page match so the books who are thinking well beyond this one show like years in advance were thinking right okay well if we don't second adam page he's gonna not think of himself as elite and guess what that's a story we've got in our mind for two years there's nothing in the fiction that has adam page relating to other characters that make him feel down and not worthy and not elite anymore. It's yeah. just, just bad booking. It was, so. tight, it was tight back then, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was really tight and really well thought through. That's well, what we when people made all those videos and fantasy, like, not even fantasy booking, reality books, yeah. the moments leading up to him beating Kenny for the belt because it was there for you to enjoy and go back and pour yeah. over. So I don't think if this is, and again, we don't know. The we are can s- was the only little tell. Yeah. Hangman's back on the, the booze. Was yeah. There. That yeah, was, yeah, know, yeah, pointed, yeah. Wasn't it? We know. are, you know, potentially with a negative slant forecasting what's going to happen on a preview because I think this is a wider point to make before we get into the matches that have been advertised for the show. Like, I will want to see AEW with the vibe and the power and the momentum back for a solid month before I really get into that 2021 summer mode of, next week's going to be amazing, 
I cannot wait. The week after that's going to be even better. We're in the good old days, right? But like I like the economies of scale as well because did you not say like when Triple H got the job, it's like I need to see six months that he's actually going to see some things through. Yes, because I've gone twenty years without trusting. Yeah, exactly. Like there's, two, there's like there's rules and yes. levels. Like there. I'll need a good solid month of all right, good. This angle's really well thought out and fascinating. Mm. You haven't forgot about this wrestler. You know what I mean? And you don't, when you live in it, you don't apply such harsh rules, do you? You just feel it. If like three or four dynamites in a row kick ass, and you like, there's matches we're going to talk about here, but like, if one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing over a four week period, like, yes, we talk about it every day and we review it on these podcasts, but you're just going to feel it. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm so pleased at that, that character that I've followed. I've been rewarded. Yeah. We've talked a lot about lack of payoffs this year. There's been a distinct lack of payoffs. You've been given a half-baked conclusion and then told really aggressively to move on to something else for that yeah. character, and it's been really frustrating. If you get to see a few of these things pay off over the next couple of months, it's not going to be, well, it's hit that one-month deadline, and I like it. It's just, I feel good. Yeah. Like, I'm actually feeling rewarded for my investment again. Yeah. Three matches to go through. Three matches. Three matches, three jokes. Uh, two of which are part of the Grand Slam World Title Eliminator Tournament, one of which um, is really savvy, I mm. think, uh, because they're telling the story about um, Darby Allen and Nick Wayne, and I guess the story is how good of a mentor is Darby Allen really um, because he's too quick to forgive the people who've bludgeoned <laughs> Nick Wayne to half death. He has labored at All Out on the decision to instantly save Nick Wayne or, oh, I've got Luchasaurus right where I want him to win this title. So they're telling the story with Nick Wayne and Darby Allen. This will not be the last match they have, but it's really cool to put them in a competitive fixture. Mm. A competitive fixture where, obviously, that creates scope to further the story if um, Darby Allen like, brutalizes Nick Wayne or maybe they could... I just think there's loads of scope for storytelling here, so I'm really interested to see it play out. Like, this is the sort of match, given the wider story that they are telling or beginning to tell, where you could have Nick Wayne just completely overwhelm Darby Allen, like, with his precocious skill set, his fire, like, how quick he is, and just how, like, motivated he is to make an impression. But if he just completely outclasses Darby for the duration, and Darby pulls the tights... Mm-hmm. or, like, there's some kind of, not overt heel turn, but something just a bit nasty or cunning. Like Asker and Ember Moon, where she pushed the ref into the ropes. Yes. She felt the streak was under pressure. and Just yeah. something like yeah. that to build the idea of, has Darby Allen really got Nick Wayne's interests at mind, in like in mind and in, in his heart and all the rest of it? Um, Nick Wayne, you know what really impressed me about Nick Wayne, more so than some of the incredible moves that he does? Is, do you see his face when Christian Cage was doing his your dad's dead bit? Mm-hmm. He was like, don't. Yeah. He was like, he looked young in the best possible way. That's the feature of this character. Like, he looked like, oh, oh please don't. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not cut out for this sort of <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? Like, as opposed to just going for the guy's throat. Yeah. So I think Nick Wayne could really play his part in the story. I can't call this, and I love that. I'd Like, AW with the mentor... Matches like Samoa Joe versus Nick Wayne. Oh my god, that would be unbelievable! Like, there's a there's a number of different in this tournament. There's a number of different ways that Nick Wayne is a far more entertaining winner than Darby Allen. But taking this match just as itself, <clears throat> the two examples that spring to mind are both featuring Darby Allen. Oddly, John Moxley as a like not so much a mentor but as an inspirational figure, a leader that Darby Allen could eventually supplant in the AW locker room. The way in which he has defeated Darby Allen over the years with a sort of sense of, I'm going to have to kill you, mate, but I respect you. We talk a lot about the TV one where he hits him with the super dirty deeds, but then there was the Dynamite one, Dailies. There's the Dynamite one and Dailies where... Kind of mirrored the Orange Cassidy thing from All Out, didn't it? Where he, he, had the, he had the birds <coughs> flipped. He's yeah. like, all oh, right, okay, you're defined, but I'm, I'm Mox, so I'm going to just choke you yeah. out. And they were super patient with Cody and Darby Allen as well. Ah, that was AEW, man. Yeah, like you got the draw, then you got the Cody win, and they, oh, he's never going to get this done. And it obviously enhances the power when he does. Yeah. So the, they like that. So Darby, you could have Darby Allen winning here a number of different ways with the view of, right, well, this is going to be like the one of six times these two wrestle. And on that sixth time, you know, Nick Wayne's going to get it done. 
I get the feeling Tony Khan likes that, and you could have Darby Allen win as you say three and a fair. It's a meets. clever booking device because when you have someone on this arc like Darby was on it, Nick Wayne could mirror it, which yeah. makes all the sense in the world. Exactly. So in the meantime, people who beat him, you can do more immediate stuff with them. Yeah. However, Darby Allen is working really, really hurt off the back of the abuse he took on Sunday. And, and even more abuse he took the Sunday before then. Yeah. like this. Like is, apparently that uh, his coccyx is knackered after that coffin drop onto the coffin. You. I'm not surprised, yeah. Uh, like, so we know he's working hurt, and I know that slightly mirrors what we've been doing with Orange Cassidy, but like, you can, like AEW have just been doing that ultimately, tighten up. But right yeah. now, right now they kind of do do that. Um, so then you position Nick Wayne as a guy kind of encouraged to take advantage of his mentor being too broken down. Yes. And that is a new character dynamic while you've still got this virtual blank canvas. Like, what do you want to paint on this blank canvas? There's no shame in wanting to take advantage of a situation and try and win a title. Not least because if he came up against Samoa Joe, like you say, or came up against Roderick Strong, for example, like yeah. the, this, that can't miss, can it? Like yeah. Nick Wayne is the sympathetic figure against either of them two, can't really Getting miss. Getting his back broken yeah. or yeah. monstered. Exactly. Like So there's loads of opportunity there. Whilst you've already added a string to Nick Wayne's bow that oh, he's been willing to take advantage of his mentor being injured. I, in case you can't tell, I don't. I cannot pick a winner. I cannot pick a winner, yeah. I love it. I really love it. I, I just, I think they'll play a lot. I've loved, I really wish the AR Fox thing hadn't played out as it did. Because oh, it feels like it's the one... Black Mark against this otherwise pretty impeccable story. To put... We weren't burying Murray, by the way, earlier, but I think he's got a point. Like, how was Tony Khan to know that AR Fox was doing his, ah, I'm in my admin job and I don't know what to do with this bit of paper. I'm just going to put it in my drawer. Yeah. And hope (laughs) that it just goes away. Yeah. I knew he couldn't travel, so what the hell? Why didn't he point this out? Yeah. Because Tony's, like, generally such a nice boss that... He could have thought, right, okay, well, it's unfortunate, but thank you for telling me straight away. Because it's the sort of thing, can you imagine AR Fox going to Tony Khan? By the way, if you've got any plans for me, I can't work Wembley. Mm. Never guessed in a million years that he was going to get a match at Wembley Stadium. The second he was totally sure, I can't do it. Because I think at that point, Tony Khan would have went, you know what, thanks for letting me know immediately. I'll try and sort something out for you in Chicago. Let's see if I swap a row for a column. Maybe <laughs> maybe this problem could be fixed. There are things sometimes that Tony Khan must just think, for for Christ's sake, man. Yeah. I don't completely absolve him of the blame for anything. It's a big business. Like, how did somebody, how could somebody not push some papers along a desk to make that happen? Like, I don't know what the visa issues were, the travel issues were. I think it's, you should have a proper, a proper travel. Plan. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, What's the department you would call it? Like, yeah, tra- I don't know. It just feels like both. So can the wrestlers work overseas department? Yeah, like should they, like I'm I'm with you. I think maybe our Fox has thought there's like a forgiveness rather than permission thing here. If I get the graphic, then I'll say it. Uh, love it, bang into it. I've got this pretty big admin issue. Can you sort it for me? And then Tony goes, no, no. Took out the match. I, th- I don't think he imagined it would go that way when he had to reveal it because you want to see that graphic first, don't you? A uh, few, few different parties at fault, maybe for that. But it is the one blemish on what's otherwise been just a, a near, really, really near well perfect rollout with Nick, Nick Wayne. Well, even from the first vignette, yeah, it was just absolutely exceptional. And having Darby do it, and uh, it was just great. So Sting's I, not around at the moment. That feels notable. Yeah, like they've kind of played with Darby Allen being somewhat of a wayward figure when Sting isn't about, and then. Sting rocks, it's like a Tony Khan thing, he rocks up and he's like, tighten up Darbs, and then he does, Yeah, then, like things go well for him again for a bit. I think that Darby will cheat to win. Ah. In subsequent weeks, Nick Wayne will say, what the hell was that, mate? And he'll say, oh, I was just telling you a lesson, there'll be people worse than me. You know, like Aye. the William Regal explanation, but good. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way they could do this. When's he off to Everest? I think he wants to do it next year. Ah, because that like... I'd, I'm assuming a write-out will come and it'll be horrible. Like, Darby Allen will be brutalised yes. after television. So I wonder, like, what if that's, like, Nick Wayne being eventually gubbed and it's him, like, breaks his neck in a chair or something. Aye. Does a concerto. Oh, I like that. All right, all right. Christian, you might have been onto something here. Yeah. Like, the second match of the three announced thus far, but there'll be maximum, I think, of three more. But again, we're recording um, at... 11 a.m. UK time. I don't even think the Yanks are awake yet. <laughs> it's time for coffee. 
<laughs> då har jag sett det. Give me a dollar. We eat, we eat that at this time of day over here. I do when I'm over there. I love it. When we went to Vegas, we oh, had a nice. got a latte and a, um, a donut. And a beer. And a beer for breakfast. <laughs> Kicked ass. Um, a pastry. Yes. What was one of them called? We've got these things, right? They're called... Oh, I remembered. We have the thing called yum-yums over here, uh-huh. where they are a rectangular-shaped, like... Like icing, sugar, like baked, twisted pastry. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. And like the ones over here are just them. The one in Vegas is bigger than my head. <laughs> of course, it was. They're called twists. Yes. And I went, "Well done, America. You've got a more logical name for something than something we do here in Blighty." Uh, identical story, like that. So it's like a twist. Oh, that's what it should be called. What a yum yum. It was a. That's a, like yum yum should be the American name for it. I yum yum. Yeah, I'm going to Greg's for a yum yum. <laughs> going to Coupland's. <laughs> Get me a beef and vegetable pasta. I, um, <laughs> I asked the like the lady. She kicked her ass by the Let way. Lettuce. Woman that worked at the uh, the Oyo Hotel. Uh, what was it like? It was a coffee shop and like patisserie that was within a casino. Yes. Vegas is the best. Yeah, go, it's the best. Go to Vegas at the back of our casino slash hotel. Like um. That is a chocolate iced donut shaped like a flower broken into petals. What was it called? A flower. Yes. Yes. It was great as well. That's lots of mini donuts glued together in the shape of a flower. Why have one donut when you can have... Flowers with. Yes, a flowers <laughs> with. A bouquet of donuts. <laughs> what uh, are we talking about? The second match in the Eliminator is... Uh, oh, yeah. Next off. <laughs> Um, it's Roddy Strong, who's great, yep. versus Trent Beretta. My new favorite wrestler, actually. Roddy? Yeah, Trent Beretta. Oh, you like no, him I'm, I'm fine with best. After years of, like, needless needle, uh, best friend's kind of kicked ass at Wembo. So yeah. We're on terms. Yeah, we're they're awesome. Terms. They're awesome. Uh, this match should be uh, really hard-hitting in a way that might not be well-advised, but will be, like, really entertaining. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, this should go very, very hard to use young person's vernacular again. Roderick Strong. Twitter's Dave. broken our brains fundamentally because I don't know how I'm meant to talk anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it when you speak to other grown adults of our age that aren't on Twitter and you talk about a story or a meme or you use it's giving, serving and the like. I'm like, what the frig has happened to you? That's yeah. Not, yeah, you're yeah, right. yeah, you're right. You know, this is a me thing. Roderick Strong in a neck brace delivering a spinning back breaker to Trent Barrera is hilarious. It's going to be fantastic. I don't know what the story's going to be here. And again, this is my... I'm a naturally cynical guy. 2021. AEW, honestly, you got the lot with me. <laughs> like, it was n- never before seen kind of enthusiasm. <laughs> um, because I'm thinking, right, here, the, the bit should be is Roderick Strong faking it mm. <laughs> or embellishing it and trying to get sympathy and all the rest of it. Remember when Wilborn was here, by the way, just as a little aside, grumpy Roderick Strong was yeah. one of his bits. And it's like, actually, no, Roderick Strong's goaded. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be surprised if he's not been keeping up that much that. Was it the plan all along of they pivoted to make this really funny? I don't, I don't know, but like I kind of hope it's the second because I don't. I think it goes a little bit underreported that Tony Khan, one of his more obvious weaknesses, even when times are good, I don't think he's a brilliant Plan B guy. No, because he was at least one point. In the I mean, moment. he just delivered Starks versus Danielson. Things are changing. He's an ama- he was an amazing Plan A guy and a questionable Plan B one, and then you have the All Out card and something like this. Where I do wonder, like when Joe shelved Roderick Strong, you were designed to view that as a pretty heavy heat angle. Oh, this really beloved guy who had a bad time of it in the last few years in WWE and just had that match with Jericho. It's like, oh, he's cult. He's a, yeah. he's one of your new folk heroes, sort of thing. I think this is a pivot because what they've done somehow is basically this. You know, when you talk about MJF and it's like it's okay to know what happened in this character's past. What happened in Roderick Strong's recent past is this. Yeah. He left NXT as this character, briefly came back as Adam Cole's heroic mate, had a kick-ass match with Chris Jericho, and has returned. This was the last thing he was doing yeah. in the diamond mine, and it was really funny, and it was like, well, this is a weird use of Roderick Strong, but it's NXT. This is funny on purpose now. Yeah, now it's funny on purpose. It's like they've taken something. I feel like it's a pivot. I think Tony Khan is becoming a decent plan B booker. We'll because see. Because I think this is a move. I think it's a move. He's just so good at this. I've described it, and probably will for the next however many weeks, as 94 Owen Hart. Yeah, like just this bit of uh, complaining whiner, but also how do you do that and make it entertaining? Owen did it. Roddy Strong's doing it. 
Adam knows what he did, Renee. <laughs> Adam, no, why don't you talk to Adam about Adam. it? Adam. Adam knows what he did, Renee. Um, <laughs> this is one of his quotes about like, oh, why is someone was like, oh, why is Roddy Strong being like this or something like that? Just leave me alone. I'm an em- I'm emotional and I'm in a neck brace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm emotional. I love him, and I've said this already, right? All of us, Adam Cole included. I've been instructed to mock this man by MJF. Yes. If and when the heel turn comes, we're all wrong. Yeah. Like, he was, he had neck problems. Yeah. Went, loser, loser. Get lost. It's been great. It's been great. My question is, is he faking it? And if he's faking it, and you do the punchline of, oh, no, it really hurts. How do the baby faces? Or am I being too negative about this? I'm going to let this play out. I'm going to let this play out. This match is going to be sensational. Does he wrestle it in his neck brace? What would a wrestler with poor neck health Or does he like say if they were like British, Sidge? Oh, my bloody neck. Yeah. I don't know. He could like, after, he could sell after the fact. I need my brace. I need my brace. Yeah, I like that. Quick, quick. Like, he just, he, there's a twin. He wins. But there's a twinge, and he's like, like, uh, like oh, the kingdom of putting it back on him, yeah. like strapping him back up. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the move, isn't it? Like, this is one of those things where he wins, it's predictable, I don't care, I need to see him win to advance deeper into this wonderful story. The graphic, him in glasses and neck brace and his gear is, yes. is a great choice. Yeah. Like, just that's AEW, man. That they're, is, nail, that's, they're nailing this. That is the AEW where I think this is that extra level of thought. Yeah. Not just that tangential, irreverent humor. It's just fundamental to like it's passion project stuff mm. where previous where now with battle of the belts and collision and rampage being like the qt marshall vanity project it, oh, it's in more pay-per-views all right cool to content form can't be asked with this when you get those reminders of our oh, deep down this is probably a passion project more than a content form even if it's just articulated on a just a faint like a fairly amusing match graphic that's what I like. Yeah. That's what I'm about. Uh, the last match to preview, again, um, as is tradition after um, a pay-per-view, you don't get the full card that we can advance. It is the Sex Guards. Oh, yeah! Uh, versus <laughs> <laughs> Aussie Open. Is that better? Yeah, it's easy to do Cockney, do I? Don't that, I? that was all right. Aussie Open. Aussie it's Carl Fletcher and uh, Mark Davis. It's yeah, uh, like Cockney again. It's South Park Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's supposed to be Australian rather than sound like Wade Barrett, so... This is a further continuation of Aussie Open's adventures into facilitating the storylines of others, Mm. where it's weird with Aussie Open and AEW. Again, I expect them at some point to go on this great run. They'll probably be the tag team champions. They'll probably love it. And they've done better stuff for New Japan, quite frankly. They're looking to get signed, and they will. That's Simon. AEW? Yeah. I did not know that. I thought they were... No, they still... left New Japan. I thought they were New guys. I didn't realize. No, they, they're proper... That's what I'm saying. They're ah. proper AEW guys, which makes this launch a bit weird because you have, on paper, you know, they've got the Melter 5. They've had this big match with FTR. They've had some great, like, well-received matches in New Japan. And yet they are storyline facilitators for other people in, what, 10-minute matches that mm. are gentlemen's threes? That's their rule in AEW, and it's a bit weird, particularly when you consider their potential, um, how ha- well thought of they are. Basically, if I'm an Aussie Open fan, I'm pretty disappointed. Um, but it feels like this is a continuation of that. Um, but it's a continuation of not only a story that I'm quite into, I still don't know who the baby face is, and I think that's going to be a problem, but one of my favourite tag teams in AEW history, the Sex Guards. Oh, yeah! I think this match will be, I think, and, you know, I might put a bet on this, that there's going to be some miscommunication between Guevara and Jericho here. What? Right, a couple of things. Did I? Imagine, oh, yeah! Did I imagine that? Jericho was trying to talk himself into a tag title shot last week, and that's just been dropped. I don't know if his phrasing was off. I well, don't Scott's know. FTR became a thing, didn't it? Well, I, I, when he said that, I was like, all right, FTR versus the Sex Gods next week. That's quick. Maybe he was just usually a fantastic speaker. He's one of the best ever, Jericho. But maybe he didn't quite clarify that, you know, maybe in a, Return to the rankings, yeah. Without 
full rankings. It's like, oh, we're going to pursue the titles. First stop, Aussie Open, and then maybe one more, and then we'll get to FTR sort of thing. Um, but no, I'm with you. I thought it was going to be FTR this week, but maybe it just wasn't particularly clear. Um, I'm, I'm glad it's not. I think it's muddy in the waters if you do that right now. Oh, this is ranking stuff. This, yeah. I like it. Well, it's rankings without the actual rankings. Now, I think the best version of this match is really, really good, maybe even great. Um, it's how you balance stigmatizing Aussie Open as just a jobber team or a jobber to the stars team. Mm. And because if you have a at odds, the sex gods nice. beat them, it doesn't do much for them. Well, I think they win tonight. But I'll tell you how. Who? The sex guards. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Aussie Open. <laughs> <laughs> the sex guards. Oh, yeah. Uh, because Aussie Open and Sammy Guevara in this match are neighbours. And what do we know about neighbours? They become good friends. Yes. Right? I said this to you at Wembley, and I still think it now. The placement of Don Callis in this storyline, and this is me trying desperately to not make that Jericho stuff a massive waste of time, is that he's actually scouting Sammy Guevara for the family. I think he will join Aussie Open at ringside, ostensibly because they are linked to Osprey, who is linked to Callis, which puts them to... they're in the United Empire. But he's watching Sammy Guevara, who carries the load and wins the match. And it's fine, Aussie Open, as you say at the moment. They're angle facilitators. They were ghosts in the MJF and Adam Cole win the Ring of Honor tag belts match. Right, so that's yeah. unfortunately where they're at at the moment. But sometimes that's a benefit, right? Because you can, you can sort of hide in plain sight. Callis can be there in their corner watching the match, but Sammy Guevara can win, follow sex gods, and this is furthering of invisible hand stuff. Uh, that sounds wrong. Don Callis stuff. And Sammy Guevara joins the family. Eventually, that's where all of this goes because he is talking the good game about being his own man, but in reality, what has happened here is that he's seen that his leader is like can't do it anymore. This, this Jericho route is not the route you should be taking. So he's prime for Callis. You know that thing last week? Hey, good news about the baby. Yeah. Like, he knows that Callis is bad news, but, like, what other choices he got right now? And I, I know you hate this, but I'm kind of going to, like, drill this one in until I see a different graphic. I feel like we're heading towards the Winnipeg's Jericho and Kenny coming together to take on, like, Sammy and Osprey, for example. There's a tag match. Sammy and Take. Sammy and Take. Aussie Open as a setup, guys. Can the Winnipeg just coexist? Like, I, I think that's the move, and I think that's where. And I think I saw it the first time when Sammy, great camera work, great reaction stuff when he when um, Osprey kicked out of the Judas effect. It starts there. Sangamara's doubt. Like I stuck with him through quite a lot. Yeah, and now his kill shot and even that good. Yeah, and I'm seeing him get outworked. And Callis is like all of Callis's guys just keep winning. Yeah, there's enough there. That's really like, good booking as well. Yeah, and I, even I, when it's not hot, it's still good most of the time. You know what that is, Sid. Good bit of plotting. Good bit of plotting. My cup of tea, that. My cup of uh, T-R-I-P-L-E-H. It's better plotting than, uh, in, than in WWE. One last thing, right? Just by the by. You know the ranking system, I want it back. Miss it. Miss Every it. Day. Every day. You know when even if it wasn't this robust, like, league system, mm. when they kind of cheated a bit. Remember uh, the, the power of their strikes and kicks and finishes? Yes. But you know, like, even in action, in practice, rather... When it was like, oh, you know, yeah. oh, they've won on dark two matches against in an overall time of like, uh, combined time of like four minutes. Anybody listening to this, go and have a look at Brandy Rhodes' win loss record right before her and Cody left. Yeah. And tell me they weren't heading towards Jade Cargill, Brandy yeah. Rhodes. <laughs> like, but what I'm getting at as well here, just by the by, it's, uh, it's one, I'm fantasy booking something, two, I'm going to remind people why the rankings should be in place. Is that even when it was like, right, there's a list of five teams. And, Virtually all the time, you're like, well, why are they there? We just didn't know. <laughs> if nothing else, it was a reminder of, all right, okay, I can take them seriously because I don't know why they're f- placed fourth, but I know why he's placed one or she's placed one or they're placed one. When I went FTR, <laughs> like one, it's like, why haven't you got a title shot? Yeah. It was v- it was visually conveyed that you were right to criticize this product at times mm-hmm. and they were held- holding themselves to account. What would these tag team rankings look like now that Darby Allen and Sting have been an undefeated <laughs> tag team for literally two years? Yeah. They've never lost a match together. I want Young Bucks to be FTR, turn heel, and then Darby Allen and Sting to win the tag team titles. I mean, I want Darby Allen and Sting to win the tag titles. There's titles, yeah. never in the history of any company 
wins and losses mattering has never mattered less than in AEW with Sting and Darby Allen. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Darby Allen and Sting versus Christian Cage and the Edge for the belts. Oh my god. Let us let, let us know. <laughs> Alien Pop in the studio. Oh, again. you're all right. What's his name? Oh, yeah. How's it going? <laughs> uh, what do you think about the uh, fate of AEW post CM Punk Alien? Couldn't have said it better myself. Follow the alien at Alien <laughs> on X. On X. Whilst you're there, you whilst you're there, you can follow us all at What Culture WWE. You can follow Michael Hamlet at Michael Hamlet. You can follow me at M Cedric. Let us know your thoughts on AEW overall. Dynamite tonight. Is the power back? Is the vibe back? How many weeks do you? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and I'm getting a bit hungry. How many weeks do you need to uh, really give this uh, this old uh, little engine that could a second chance? Huh? Let us know on X. Subscribe. Bye. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.